98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. The Sports Commissioner questions why the organisers of the Standard Chartered Hong Kong Marathon decided to cancel the event. The head of a support group for drug abusers says the move to legalise cannabis in some countries has led to increased use by young people in Hong Kong. And the final preparations are made in central London for the state funeral of Queen Elizabeth later today. Sports Commissioner Yong Tak Kung has questioned why the organisers of the Standard Chartered Hong Kong Marathon cancelled November's race. Speaking on a radio programme, Mr Yong said the marathon organisers, the Hong Kong Association of Athletics Affiliates, told the authorities last Friday they were thinking of postponing it until next February. Mr Yong said the authorities confirmed an opening for the event in February, but organisers said the same day they decided to call it off, citing a tight schedule. However, Mr. Young said the preparation time was similar to last year. Looking back at last year's marathon, the government approved the October race in August, two months before the event took place. The preparation period is similar. Why did organisers think two months isn't enough to prepare this year? I believe the association had their own considerations. The head of a support group for drug abusers says there's been an increasing trend of cannabis use among young people in the past four to five years, partly because the drug has been legalised elsewhere in the world. Sky Su, executive director of Cali Support Group, told RTHK it was important to teach young people here that just because other places took a more liberal view of cannabis, that didn't mean it was fine to use. Definitely is an influence seeing so many countries around the world are moving to a place where they are legalizing or having a more liberal view on cannabis use. But I think one of the things that we are very strong in really emphasizing, particularly in our drug education in schools here in Hong Kong, is actually helping young people to understand that the process of legalization doesn't just mean that something is good to use or try. The police say they've set up a new specialist unit to speed up the handling of technology-based crime and deception cases. Officers say the new e-crime processing and analysis hub will analyse those types of cases reported online or in person. Chief Inspector Raymond Wong from the new e-hub unit says they aim to sort the cases and refer them to investigation teams within a day. We found most of the e-report cases, particularly for the technology crime and deception case, are correlated such as from same source of criminal. So we use the computer system to conduct correlation analysis to find out the related case customers and hand over to the investigation team for the integrated investigation. Turning overseas, the final investigation, I'm sorry, the final preparations are being made in central London for the state funeral of Queen Elizabeth later today. The queue to pay the last respects to the former monarch as she lies in state in Westminster Hall has now been closed. The BBC's Johnny Diamond looks at how events will unfold. With ceremony unseen for more than seven decades, the coffin of the Queen will be taken by gun carriage into Westminster Abbey. There, a congregation of kings and queens, prime ministers and presidents, a head-turning array of the great and the good, will rise for the procession of the Queen into the Abbey where she was married where she was crowned. The king and queen consort will walk behind the coffin, followed by the rest of the royal family. An hour-long service will include a hymn played at the queen's wedding to Prince Philip and a psalm set to music composed for her coronation. After the service, a funeral procession will take the coffin through central London. 
The coffin will then be taken to Windsor Castle for a more intimate committal service and finally a private burial. A huge security cordon has been set up in central London. The BBC's Daniel Sanford has more. This is a security operation that has been decades in the planning, but that does not reduce the stakes involved. Well over a 100 heads of state, heads of government and senior royals will all need to travel through London to an 800-year-old church with no permanent security perimeter. Once again, the new king and his heir will walk behind the coffin through the streets of Westminster, which will be largely closed to traffic. An unknown number of people will gather along the ceremonial route and in Hyde Park, where the funeral can be watched on large screens. Earlier, President Biden paid tribute to the late monarch. I think what she gave is a sense of, uh, maybe above all, the notion of service. We all owe something. There's something within our capacity to do that can make things, not, not just the world better, but your neighborhood better, your household better your workplace better. To all the people of the United Kingdom, our hearts go out to you, and uh, you were fortunate to have had her for 70 years. We all were. The world's better for her. President Biden also said separately the United States would send U.S. troop forces to defend Taiwan in the event of an attack by the mainland. Speaking to CBS News, Mr. Biden suggested that unlike the conflict in Ukraine, that would mean American forces fighting the Chinese. And President Biden also said he has yet to decide whether he'll seek a second term in 2024, despite previously saying he would run again. Mr Biden, who will be 80 in November, said it was his intention to seek re-election. Nearly 300,000 homes in Japan's southern Kyushu Island are without power as Typhoon Nanmadol continues to cause destruction and disrupt lives in the region. It's now bearing down on the city of Fukuoka with winds of 126 kilometres an hour. The storm made landfall on the island yesterday, unleashing torrential rain and high winds that have taken down power lines and forced tens of thousands of people to spend the night in emergency shelters. Hurricane Fiona has caused severe flooding and landslides in Puerto Rico after making landfall on the island's southwest coast, bringing torrential rain and sustained winds of 140 kilometres an hour. The territory's electricity grid was knocked out, leaving many without power. Daniel Brown is from the U.S. National Hurricane Center. Puerto Rico will continue to get these bands of uh, a very heavy rainfall overnight and into Monday. And uh, with those, uh, you know, it's likely to be a catastrophic uh, flash flooding. Anybody that lives in uh, low-lying areas need to heed advice of the local officials, uh, make sure they're not in those areas. It's a very dangerous situation across the island. Colombian government representatives have met members of a dissident group that rejected the 2016 peace deal with the FARC. The meeting comes weeks after President Gustavo Petro, a former guerrilla fighter, took office, promising to work towards total peace. The BBC's Warren Bull reports. The two sides said the government's peace commissioner, Daniel Rueda, met four senior members of a dissident FARC group in the southern region of Caquetá. They said they'd explored the possibility of creating what they called a framework for total peace starting with a ceasefire. The meeting is a statement of intent by Gustavo Petro, who's seeking similar negotiations with the largest active guerrilla group, the ELN. But it's a controversial policy. The 2016 peace deal with the FARC was widely heralded internationally, but many in Colombia, including the previous president, Ivan Duque, felt that it went too far in rehabilitating former fighters rather than punishing them. 
The European Commission has given more details about plans to withhold billions of dollars from Hungary, accusing the government in Budapest of failing to to tackle corruption. The Budget Commissioner, Johannes Hahn, said $7.5 billion US dollars would be held back unless Hungary took action to protect the rule of law. He listed some of the areas where the country was falling short. First, uh, systematic irregularities and deficiencies and weaknesses in public procurement. Second, insufficiencies in addressing conflict of interest and concerns regarding public interest trusts. And finally, shortcomings in the anti-corruption framework. A Palestinian farmer has been describing how he discovered an ornate Byzantine floral mosaic while trying to plant an olive tree on his land in the Gaza Strip. Salman al-Nabahin said his shovel hit something hard and he unearthed the first signs of the relic, which he has since discovered is about 1,500 years old. I searched on the internet with my nephew. We learned it was a mosaic belonging to the Byzantine era. I see it as a treasure, dearer than a treasure. It's a Palestinian legacy. In the following weeks, Mr. Al-Nabahin and his son uncovered several more panels depicting colourful animals and birds. International experts will now be brought in to complete the excavation of what's been called one of the greatest archaeological treasures ever found in Gaza. The president of Iran has offered his condolences to the family of a young woman who died after being arrested by the morality police. In a telephone call with Masa Amini's family, President Ebrahim Raisi told them he felt as if he had lost his own daughter. He said there would be a thorough investigation into the circumstances of her death. One of Russia's most famous stars has strongly criticised the war in Ukraine. The award-winning singer Ala Pugacheva described how Russian young men were dying for illusory aims and making Russia a pariah internationally. Last week, Ms. Pugacheva's husband, Maxim Golkin, was dis- declared a foreign agent by the Russian authorities. Ala Pugacheva has been hugely popular in Russia since Soviet times, and her comments are likely to anger President Putin. Israel's largest pharmaceutical company, Teva, has announced it expects to finalize an opioid settlement in the United States. Teva is among more than 3,000 opioid manufacturers and distributors sued by American authorities over the opioid crisis. The pain relief drug killed more than half a million people in the United States. Sport, and we start with football and a heated derby in Spain where Real Madrid defeated their neighbours Atletico 2-1 to stay perfect in La Liga. More from the BBC's Andy Barwell. Real Madrid have made it six wins out of six as they return back to the top of La Liga as they held on to beat Atletico Madrid 2-1. Real's goals from Rodrigo and Federico Valverde. Antoine Griezmann started the game for Atletico, but it was Mario Hermoso who scored seven minutes from time, but it only proved to be a consolation goal. And then Hermoso was later sent off for a second yellow card in added time. Real Betis a third in the table after beating Arona 2-1. Osasuna lost 2-0 attempt to Getafe. Uh, Real Sociedad defeated Espanyol 2-1 and it finished one apiece between Villa Real and Sevilla. In Italy, Napoli and Atalanta are level on point at the top of Serie A. Giovanni Simeone scored the winner in Napoli's 2-1 success over AC Milan. Atalanta were 1-0 winners at Roma. Newly promoted Monza recorded their first ever Serie A win, beating Juventus 1-0. In France, Paris Saint-Germain are two points clear of Marseille at the top of Ligue 1. PSG beat Lyon 1-0 on a goal from Lionel Messi. Marseille were held to a one-all draw by Rennes. 
Arsenal are back on top of the English Premier League after a comfortable 3-0 win away to Brentford. Arsenal boss Mikel Arteta sent on the 15-year-old Ethan Nwanere late in the game, making him the youngest ever Premier League player. He deserves it. He's been doing great. Uh, we want to promote our academy players. Uh, he's such a big talent that we want to keep with us and today we had the opportunity to do it and uh, we decided um, that was the best case. Everton recorded their first win of the Premier League season, beating West Ham 1-0 at Goodison Park on a second-half goal from Neil Malpe. Brighton and Hove Albion have appointed the former Shakhtar Donetsk and Sassuolo coach Roberto de Zerbi as their new manager. He'd been out of work since leaving Shakhtar in July because of the war in Ukraine. He signed a four-year contract at Brighton subject to a work permit. The Italian was their first choice to replace Graham Potter, who left for Chelsea earlier this month. The reigning Super Bowl champions, Los Angeles Rams, picked up their first win of the NFL season, beating the Atlanta Falcons 31-27 in Week 2. Cooper Cup scored two touchdowns for the Rams with 11 receptions for 108 yards. Tom Brady's Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the New Orleans Saints 2010. The Bucks have won in a row. The Miami Dolphins fought back from 21 points down to beat the Baltimore Ravens 42-38. Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa through for 469 yards and six touchdowns, including four in the final game. New York Yankees outfielder Aaron Judge is two home runs from tying the American League single-season record of 61 that was set by Roger Maris. Judge homered twice to help the Yankees beat the Brewers 12-8 in Milwaukee. He's on pace to finish with 64 home runs. The Yankees have 16 games left in the regular season. Tennis now and world number one and US Open champion Carlos Alcaraz has secured Spain's berth in the Davis Cup quarterfinals by beating South Korea's Kwon Son Soon Woo in straight sets. First in Group B ahead of Canada, the Spaniards will participate in the quarterfinals in November in front of their home crowd in Malaga and Serbia separately have been eliminated. Golf and Max Homer chipped in for birdie at the 72nd hole to win the PGA Tour Fortinet Championship for a second straight year as Danny Willett crumbled at the last hole. Homer fired a 4-under par 68 at Silverado Resort in Napa, California, his 16-under total of 272 giving him a one-shot win over Willett, who remains in search of his first US PGA Tour title since his 2016 Masters triumph. American Taylor Montgomery, making his fifth tour start, finished third on 275. And the weather for tonight and this afternoon, it'll be very hot with sunny intervals, isolated showers and thunderstorms this afternoon, mainly cloudy tonight. Right now it's 31 degrees Celsius, the relative humidity is 72%. Please be advised that the very hot weather warning is in effect. And to go over our top headlines again. The Sports Commissioner questions why the organisers of the Standard Chartered Hong Kong Marathon decided to cancel. And the head of a support group for drug abusers says the move to legalise cannabis in some countries has led to increased use in Hong Kong. The news from RTHK. The Brew with Phil Whelan on Radio 3. Thank you. 
Janet Jackson. And that's the way love goes. Right here on Radio 3, it's the brew from Monday afternoon. Very hot weather morning because it's 31 Celsius out there. Our friend Neil's busy on his back in hospital, I think, again in Vietnam, but he'll be back with us, big fingers crossed, next week for more of a look around Ho Chi Minh City. In about 10 minutes from now, going to welcome back to the programme conductor, Maestro Vahan Madurasian, who's leading the City Chamber Orchestra of Hong Kong in a really funky... Any, any live music that's going on right now deserves talking about. Tomorrow night is a big horn fest, the French horn, played by Harry Chu, who's a real star. This instrument is so, so difficult to master, and there's going to be a whole evening showcasing it tomorrow. So 